So you may have commonly heard this expression that everybody has a story to tell. And I've always stood by this notion because we all have experienced certain things in our lives that are both eventful in terms of being happy, being sad, being depressed, being extremely angry, being extremely frustrated. And in those situations, we're tested. We're tested in how we act and we tested in our character. So on behalf of LNL Podcast, I'll be talking about events in my life that I've experienced in all shapes and forms that have affected me. And for this podcast series, I will be telling you everything as far as I can tell you. Let's start now. Rolling this place is a lover's oasis where life's weary chase is unknown. So for the first episode of this podcast uh, about my life, I'm going to be discussing with all of you my first trip to New York. Um, I was, I think I was maybe 22, going on 23, I think. Um, And by that point in my time, uh, my father had passed away. So it was just my mom and I and uh, my brother and my sister. My sister was living in New York, and she still lives there to this day. Um, By that point, she had been living there for almost, I'd say, five or six years. Um, She lives in Brooklyn. And so that particular year, um, instead of spending Christmas, uh, you know, how we normally do it, but in this case, minus my father, uh, we thought, well, let's go ahead and go to New York and visit our extended family. Uh, My mom has a twin brother, my uncle that lives in White Plains, which is, to my belief, it's a, a, a more upstate. And so we decided to take a trip. Um, we left on, I think, the 23rd of December, we left. And we finally got to New York um, around that same afternoon. And um, we were greeted. Um, it was my first time meeting my uncle. And it was my first time meeting my cousins. And ironically, you you know, you probably think by now that You've gotten to know your whole family. However, I've been so disconnected from them for a very, very long time that I barely got to know them um, up until that moment of meeting them at the airport. Um, And so when we landed in JFK, um, first of all, JFK is a madhouse. When If you ever land there, it's just, you know, it's exactly what you expect New York to be like. It's loud, it's crowded, and there's just a ton of people all over the place. So uh, we get our baggage and we're met by my uncle and I say hi to him. My mom's there. She's happy. Um, I see my cousins. My my sister arrives a little late because she um, took the train from Brooklyn to get to JFK. And so we all pretty much, you know, were able to get to each other at the same time. My mom decides to leave with her brother and they go off separate ways to go to White Plains. And I went ahead and went with my sister. And the funny thing about this is that my sister, you know, took the train all the way to JFK, up to the airport, and we hailed a taxi. At the time, I don't think Uber was quite there yet. It may have been in like select cities like California, for example, or uh, not California, but like San Francisco, Silicon Valley. Um, I think it was still at the very beginning stages around that time frame. Um, but to my 
to my best knowledge, Uber wasn't a thing yet. And that's the reason why we take taxis. Um, and why wouldn't you want to take a taxi? It's New York, you know? So it's a New York experience. So we get there, um, taxi comes up, you know, and I haven't, you know, hadn't really spoken to my sister in a long time. Um, and she occasionally would visit Virginia, but not as often as, uh, I guess she would like to. Um, but in this case, that was pretty much us sort of reacquainting ourselves and catching up, you know? So we were in this taxi ride and, uh, it's funny this to watch how the city transitions, right? You go from JFK, this busy airport, you're driving, you're driving, and you come across these buildings and you come across these neighborhoods and you come across these boroughs as you're driving through it. And, and, oh, and by the way, taxi drivers, and this may be just the one I had, but from going there about three or four times already to New York, like taxi drivers are crazy. They are the Dreamcast taxi dri- crazy taxi driver game, basically. You know, they drive just like that. You know, they go off ramps and they fly through the air and they honk the horn and they just go crazy because they want to get you to your destination as quickly as possible. But anyways, we get to my sister's apartment and I remember exactly where she lives. She lives in Bushwick and from her apartment window, I can see the subway platform, the train station, and that train station is called Myrtle on Broadway. So for those of you New Yorkers, or for those of you who are familiar, if you find Myrtle on Broadway, it's maybe like five to 10 minute walk from that, or actually less than that, from that train station, or track, platform, whatever you call it, to my sister's apartment. So we get to the apartment and, um, you know, it's like a gated window and we open the door with a key card and we go upstairs, old flight of stairs. We go upstairs, you know, floors are creaking get to her apartment and um you know it's pretty much what i expected for a new york apartment um it wasn't bad you know it was pretty nice for what it was you know um apparently my sister was 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 living with uh two of their roommates that were girls um one of them was not present and the other one was in town but was not present so the spare bedroom she um my sister went ahead and prepared it for me and said, hey, you can take this room um, so you don't have to sleep on the couch. And I was like, okay. So um, that day I unpacked my stuff and, you know, you're in New York. You know, you're I'm right in Brooklyn, pretty much what everybody rants and raves about. And um, I'm just sitting on the couch and now I'm watching TV. And um, I think it's the first time I've seen a gas stove because, I'm, you know, I'm used to electric stoves. I've never used a gas stove inside of a house. And I saw my sister throwing a gas stove. You can hear the ticking noise because I guess that's the uh, ignition for the flame to come up, I guess you can call it. And um, I thought that was kind of cool for some reason. Um, So anyways, we spent pretty much the entire day there. Um, I don't recall us doing anything or going or anywhere or seeing anything. I think we just kind of hung out um, at the apartment for the most part. Um... And yeah, I think we just hung out there. The following day, which was Christmas Eve, um, my mom had called and she goes, hey, you guys need to come up and visit us in upstate. So um, my sister and I said, okay, let's go ahead and we're going to take a train and we're going to go to upstate. Oh, and by the way, that taxi ride, I kind of jumped ahead of this, that taxi ride from JFK to, to Brooklyn was $50. And the reason why I know this is because my sister made me pay 
for that taxi ride. Okay. She didn't come prepared. Apparently she made me pay for it. So, you know, I had some cash on me because I knew that if I come here, I'm going to be spending some kind of money. I didn't expect that the, like the time I get off the airplane, I'm going to spend 50 bucks on a fucking taxi ride from JFK to the apartment. Okay. Anyways, back to my story. So we go to the train track and it was my first time riding the subway. It was really cool. Um, we get there and you know what's funny? You try not to act like a tourist. You try to like not look like the one that's carrying around the camera, taking pictures of everything and having your eyes wide open at everything around you. You know, you try not to do that because you, you know, New Yorkers, they see this shit every single day. They get tired of tourists. They get tired of people just getting in the fucking way. So I try not to be that person, right? So I'm on the train. I'm acting too cool for school. I got my jean jacket on, which I still have. And for some reason, I'm telling you this. I don't know why. And I'm just trying to look like I belong on the train, right? Um, so I'm sitting down with my sister. I'm watching people come on a train. And, you know, it's just, it's you know, people think that when you go on a subway train, it's crazy. And there are moments where it does get crazy, okay? Um, and it it exists. But on this particular day, it, it just, you look around, it looks like just normal people. People are just trying to get from point A to point B. They don't want to bother you. You don't want to bother them. And um, they just want to just go on, on about their business, right? And riding a train. And then I remember we finally get to Grand Central. Um, and Grand Central is crazy. Like, it's it's crazy packed in there. Pretty much what you see in all the documentaries and all the romance films and all that kind of stuff. When you see Grand Central packed with people, it's like that. It's like nonstop. It's like a beehive, you know. And I get there and um, we get a ticket to go to White Plains. And I think from that, from Grand Central to White Plains, it was about a 45-minute train ride. And that includes frequent stops in between. And it's funny because as we're in the, on the train, the, um, the scenery, again, was transitioning. It went from the city, which is all buildings, skyscrapers, apartments, to much more trees, more trees, and then it became like suburbs. And then it just, it felt like almost like Virginia Beach to me or like Norfolk or something, right? It was just trees and trees and like homes, you know? And I, I, I kind of got the feeling that this was not the place that my sister would want to be in because she's all about that New York life, like as far as like in the city. So she would never want to be out here. And it kind of made sense because she told me that she never comes out here. And so I was out there and it, what kind of made me think that this was the suburbs was that there's a Lowe's, there's a Target, and there's a McDonald's, just like how it's placed where, you know, where I live, right? So that's pretty much where we're at. We finally um, departed from the um, the train. My uncle, oh, I'm sorry, no, my cousin, my, um, the oldest son, um, picked us up. And he picked us up in the car and we drove maybe no less than 10 minutes away to their home. And my uncle's house from the outside looks really big, but it's actually on this hill. So it's two stories. I think there's a third story. I don't know if I remember Chris correctly, but I think there's a third story. But it's also a basement. Um, so we get inside the house and mind you, it's my sister and I. And, um, you know, if you guys have big families, you might, you know, you might be used to this, but you know, my side of the family, my dad's side, I guess you could say, you know, we are, we've shrunken down a lot, you know, unfortunately through life, you know, 
our relatives and people we we've been around with have passed on so you know it's shrunk down tremendously however my mom's side has a ton of family members and they're all italian like straight italian and if any of you have seen um my greek my my big fat greek wedding um it's pretty much that okay no exaggeration it's it's exactly that just just change Greek to Italian, and that's exactly what it was. Um, I walked inside, and food was being prepared. There was already people inside. It was my cousin. It was three of my cousins, um, my uncle, my aunt, and other relatives that I was kind of aware of, but I wasn't exactly sure of who they were. And they were just all hanging out in just this big house. And everybody's loud and everyone's talking with their hands and asking me who I am and how are you all oh, heard about you? You're you're so and so son. Wow, you're so big, you're handsome, and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So, you know, when you get into that environment, you don't know how to respond to it in that moment. You know, all you can do is smile, shake your head, hug, and just make sure that you're being cordial because these people are here to see you. You haven't seen them. So with that being said, you you owe the utmost respect when you come into someone's house, especially if they're your family, you know. So I'm there and these are people again I haven't seen I haven't seen nor heard of in my life up until this point, except for a few of them. And I'm just playing this amazing game of catch up. You know, let's catch up with you. What do you do? Do you have a girlfriend? Um, you know, do you do this? Do you do that? And are you in school? Oh, you're in school. Well, your your cousins in school. You guys are the same age. Matter of fact, you guys look alike. Hey, come over here, guys. Look at it. Look at them. You know. And it was one of those moments, right? Okay. So fast forward. We started having dinner, and um, it was basically my sister and I at the table. We were in my mom and everybody else. Okay. My mom and my sister and I are pretty much the only like sunglows. Okay. That's my last name. In the family we were like the only ones in that group of people and so i'm looking over and everybody else is like straight up italian <laughs> you know and um my sister and i were looking at each other like okay this is very awkward you know because in our family we're a lot smaller and we're not as noisy um i guess at some point in our lives we were noisy but the noise got annoying to my dad so we stopped being noisy <laughs> and so and so, so like that side of the family we're just not used to we're not used to that energy um so we're eating dinner and you know we're looking at each other like all right we maybe we should make an exit soon because it was getting late um and by the way this is christmas eve so it was getting late my sister said that she had to bartend that night and work a gig so she can make some money so I said, okay, well, I guess I'll come with you. Now, if you guys ever tried to exit from a family reunion or some type of big family event, rest assured that every single member of that family is going to question you on where you're going and why you're going, okay? And there's probably 30 odd people in that house asking me that question as I'm trying to make this exit out of the house, okay? Um, it was like a mixture of confusion and like, you know, sort of like content, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm confused to why you're leaving. I don't really approve of it, but Hey, it's your life. Do what you gotta do. It was kind of like that feeling, right? 
But anyways, um, you know, I, I even felt more guilty because they prepared a room for me, which ironically had a bunch of memorabilia that belonged to my grandpa, who I never met in my life. And, you know, I just felt like I was slapping them in the face by not staying over, you know. But I didn't stay over, and my mom was not happy with that. She thought I was being um, a bit of a drag. But anyways, I went with my sister, and I went back to the city. And that's kind of where the fun started a little bit for me. Because, mind you, it's Christmas Eve. Normally on Christmas Eve, I'll be at church, okay? About 7 o'clock, this church service lasts until about 8.30 to 9, and then you go home. The next day you open gifts, right? That's usually it's been my family tradition for for all of my childhood up into my adult life. But in this case, um, I was in New York on Christmas Eve. My sister and I uh, get back to her apartment. You know, she freshens up. I freshen up. And then she asked me, you know, do you want to come with me while I bartend? You could stay here. But, you know, if you get hungry, I don't know if you feel comfortable leaving the apartment walking down the street to get yourself something to eat because you know it's new york it's nighttime personally i don't want to be out there by myself because you know you know the full story so i was like you know i'll just i'll roll with you it's cool i think it might be kind of fun anyways i'll go with you i don't know what i don't know what part of new york we were in um but we were somewhere and we were at this bar i think it was called I think it was called the Buddha Bar. You guys can Google it. It's called Buddha Bar, New York. I don't think it exists anymore. Who knows? But basically, it's called Buddha Bar. And it's basically, it looks like this big warehouse. And warehouse that looks empty, but it's a bar. Walked inside, and um, I was thinking to myself, well, damn, it's like 10 o'clock at night. There's like nobody here. I know how like do do like I don't know why my sister decided to bartend tonight because this is a big venue. There's like nobody here, you know. So I decided to sit at the bar uh, with the stools. And there's two bars, by the way. There's a left hand side bar and a right side bar. And I guess I sat on the left side, which I guess supposedly was going to have the most people. Um. So I sat at the bar and I, you know, my I, my sister made me a drink. I drank a few beers. And, you know, I started watching TV. I think I think I was watching the NBA on TV or something like that. I don't remember exactly. Um, and then little by little, people started showing up. It wasn't like a ton of people showing up at the same time. It was like a gradual, um, like, presence. And I remember this one guy came in. He wore, like, this all-white suit. And it was a this white guy. And he had his girlfriend or wife or whoever she is to him. And... Um, he had like corn rolls and he also had like this chin strap beard and I'm looking at him going yo you look like riffraff like what the hell is this you know it's like Christmas Eve and this dude's dressed out like he's like coming home from like an Oscar party or something you know and his girl was dressed up in like this silver sequin dress or something I don't know so they came in and I was like oh that's interesting I I was kind of staring at them the whole night and then out of nowhere, people definitely started coming in. More people started coming in. And it got to the point where it got packed. Like within 30 minutes, it got super packed. And fortunately, I had the bar stool at the end of the table or the bar where I was kind of crunched in to the right. And nobody, like there's a wall there. So nobody was coming to me from the right-hand side. But people on the left-hand side were reaching over me 
trying to grab drinks. There's people sitting next to me. They're getting loud. And, you know, the whole bar scene. And what's funny was that I was looking around and I saw a banner pop up, right? Like a, like a promotional banner. And on the banner, it said jewspace.com. And I said, jewspace? And I was like, well, that, that sounds like MySpace. What is this, like a, like a, like a meetup of all the like, Jewish people, community coming together here? Like, this is, this is interesting, you know? Like, I've never, I've never experienced this before. And apparently, that's what, exactly what it was. It was a big Christmas Eve party. And I guess for them, it's not Christmas Eve. It's their own Jewish tradition of, I don't know what it's called exactly. But all I know is, is that it involved a menorah. And that brings me to my next thing where during this time frame, you know, there's music going off, there's people dancing all over the place, there's drinks, there's bottle service, you know, I'm watching people just have a great time. Suddenly, the tempo of the atmosphere starts to slow down and it gets real quiet. The DJ is like tapping on the microphone and he makes this big announcement, you know, and I thought something happened at the bar because, you know, when people get quiet, something happened. But apparently, I guess he was making a speech and then he started speaking in, um, I guess he was speaking in Hebrew. Yeah, he's, I guess, you know, you know, making the assumption that he's Jewish, he's speaking Hebrew or he could have been speaking Yiddish, either one. And um, people got quiet and he was speaking. And then suddenly this person rolls out this gigantic menorah. It was probably like three feet wide by two feet tall. It was it was big, you know, it was a big menorah. Um and so I'm like, man, that's a that's a that's a pretty big menorah, you know. And like they drag it out, and um, I've seen menorahs lit up before, but in this case, it was like battery operated, so the light bulb was like dimming on, right? So them to light that candle, it was equivalent to lighting the light bulb. And what was strange was that although I've seen that happen before, it was never like in a club scene, right? So I was thinking to myself is this like sacrilegious? Cause <laughs> like, I don't think this belongs in a club, you know, but, um, so I'm, I'm sitting there and then suddenly, okay, let me back up real quick. You know, when someone sings a national anthem, like at a baseball game, basketball game, whatever, you know, towards the end of the national anthem, before they finish up the actual song to which you wait till the song is over and then you applaud and you show your support by screaming loud as possible. Um, there's always those hundred few people who like to yell right before the song is over and start cheering, you know, like, hurry this shit up. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's one of those things. That's exactly what happened at the menorah lighting. So as the menorah um, light bulb was slowly dimming on, people started like cheering, like, yeah, you know, and like, I'm just like, yo, what is going on right now? Like, this is so weird. And finally it came on and then I kid you not, right when the bulb went really bright, like this beat dropped and it was like a mixture of like Hebrew, like Judaism, like instrumental folk music mixed with like this pop techno beat together, you know, I can't really explain it, but if you can think of any folk music and then mix techno into it. That's kind of what it sounded like. And I was like, yo, this is so bizarre. Like everyone is like, like, you know, it's kind of like when, it's kind of like 
you know, I guess equivalent to saying like, yeah, everybody have wine for the first Sunday of the month. And then when they pour the wine, you drink it. Everyone's all like, yeah, party. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not exactly the time to say something like that because it's, it's, it's a time of like holiness and you're treating it like it's a, a ball game. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. In that moment, it just felt really funny. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm a Christian. Normally I'm at church in a Christian church, um, but I'm in a nightclub in New York in a place called Buddha Bar in an, in an environment predominantly Jewish people while they celebrate a menorah lighting on top of techno, Israeli music or something, I don't know, and it's going off and everyone's drinking and partying and having a great time. Like that was that was really bizarre and funny at the same time. But also I had a great time. I had a great time. I had my camera. I took a bunch of pictures. Um there was this big giant white polar bear like costume. Like I guess somebody dressed up as a polar bear that stood about eight feet tall. And he had or he or she had this costume chain that was really large. I guess they hand make these things for part of the costume. And um, it had the Star of David. So basically he was rocking, the bear was rocking like this chain that had the Star of David on it. And he was like, you know, pop locking and dancing and stuff. I don't know. He was just being all over the place, you know. Um, And all this is true because I have pictures to prove it Um, on my Facebook. I actually have pictures of that that night still, I think. But um, yeah, that's how I spent my Christmas Eve and my first official night in New York City.